Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God is good, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you if, uh, if you saying that, you said, I am free, I am whole. Uh, I want to encourage you this week, tell everyone you know. This is a tool, but it's not a, it's not, this is not just a, a flyer that's printed. This is not just to say, I am becoming, is not just a phrase. This is our church's mission, but this is what we believe of every person that walks in this building, that we are becoming, amen? What we used to be, we're not anymore, amen? And what, we're not, what we are now is not what God has for us in the future, amen? So if you're free, if you're whole, not if you're perfect, if you're becoming, we want you to tell somebody because the Bible says the redeemed of the Lord, they what? They say so. They say so. So I want to, um, I actually want to talk a little bit about that today. And we're going um, to read one of the most uh, well-known stories in the Bible. And it's a, it's a crazy story that I think oftentimes how crazy it is can get overlooked. And what I want to talk about today is something that I believe pertains to every single person in this room. I want to talk about different levels of faith. And where, no matter where you are in your journey, no matter where you are as you become, there are different levels of faith that, that we've probably all experienced or that we experience on this, on this journey of life and on this journey of faith. There's uh, there's, you know, there's faith that just believes anything, what I would call kind of gullible faith. And, and some of us may have been there or not, but, but the world, a lot of times we hear the world say, uh, it, you know, I don't really believe in anything. Well, to get on the CTA, you have to, you have, to have faith in something. To get in an Uber car, you have, to have, you have to have faith in a driver. To get on airplanes, you have to have faith in something. To, to eat at certain restaurants, you got to have a certain level of faith. In the world, they say, I don't really, I don't have faith in anything. Oh, yes, you do. It's just in the wrong places. There's, there's commercial faith that I believe a lot of us have, have been at. And sometimes we, we, we do fall into, and, and, it's, and it's easy to. It's, it's, if I do this, you'll do this. God, if, if I do this, just this one time, if you bail me out, God, I won't do that thing ever again, right? But commercial faith, it's because that's, that's what we see in advertising and in commercials. It's if you buy this product, you'll be this. If you do this, then you'll get this. And there are all sorts of different types of faith. There's nighttime faith, and it's God in the nighttime. I need you to be the one that when I call, you answer and you deliver. And these levels of faith do not diminish what God does or who he is. But there's, there's a higher level of faith, I believe, that God wants us to, to be at today. And I want to read a story about, we're going to read just three verses from Daniel chapter 3. But I want to set up the story. I want to give you a little bit of context. And Daniel chapter 3 is a story of three Hebrew boys. You guys know their names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are, this is the part of the story that often gets, gets overlooked. They are in Babylon, but they're Hebrew boys. And the significance of that is that Babylon 
was, even today, is perhaps the darkest, most demonic society that's ever been set up in our world. That thousands and thousands of years later, people still talk about, they refer to Babylon as a type or as an example for a villainous, evil society. And three Hebrew boys were taken out of Israel. Not only were they taken out of Israel, but Israel was defeated. Jerusalem was destroyed. The temple was torn down. And, three, and, and Hebrews were transported to Babylon and taken in as slaves. And in Daniel chapter 1, we meet four of those slaves. We meet Daniel and the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And in Daniel chapter 1, it says that these Hebrew boys were elevated and they were, they were promoted above all of, the, all of the magicians, all of the astrologers, all of the wise people in the king's court. These Hebrew boys had favor. Favor is not necessarily about about what you're doing, a lot of times favor is, is where God places his hand on you. And favor can take you above all of the world's wisdom and all of the world's knowledge and all of the world's set up systems and structures and can elevate you and put you to a place of influence. And their favor put them in the king's court. And what we're going to do is we're going to jump ahead to the climax of this story. But what happens is these three Hebrew boys, they're serving together. And they're serving in the king's court. And the king establishes a decree that says whenever the, the music goes up, and they basically, the, the, what the king does is he establishes a structure, an idol of himself for everyone to worship. Now this idol this is part of the crazy part of the story. This idol was not like a little statue. It wasn't, it wasn't a little monument that was built outside. This idol was 90 feet high. And to give you context, the highest point in this ceiling, not, the, not right there, but the highest point above that dome is about 48 feet. So it's about twice as high as that. It's 20 feet wide, and it's on a pedestal. And the king has this big ceremony to release this big idol that everyone will worship and everyone will bow down to the king's image. So basically, everyone will worship the king. And in worshiping, worshiping the king, they'll fall prey to his values and to his mission and everything that he wants to do. And so at this ceremony, they have this whole thing, and the music is played, and everyone bows, and meanwhile, there are 60,000 Hebrews who have been taken from Israel into Babylon. And so that's on top of all of the Babylon people. Now, it doesn't, not everybody in the, in the nation was present, but there were more Hebrews than just the three Hebrew boys, than just Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And this goes up, and, and there's a response, and, and jealous people come and tell the king, they say, hey, there are people who aren't bowing. And the king gets upset. And what we see is that when pressure comes, when pressure comes, who, what's really inside of us always comes out. When pressure comes in our lives, what's really inside of us comes out. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth speaks. When you look throughout history and in the most pressure-filled moments are oftentimes the, the, the lines of history that dictate 
where history goes. Winston Churchill, when he was up against uh, the Germans in World War II and, and he had a decision to make, he said, friends, never, never, never give up. Abraham Lincoln, when the, when the nation was as divided as it ever was, he stood up and he gave a four-minute speech called the Gettysburg Address that changed the course of the nation. When Jesus was on the cross at the, at the foremost time of pressure with nails in his hands and a crown of thorns on his head, he said, it is finished. And so when pressure comes, what matters? Our response. When pressure comes, what matters is our response. And these three Hebrew boys, they had a response for the ages. But what I want to tell you today is that what we're going to get to at the end is a, is a type of faith that God wants for every person in this room. It doesn't matter where you are in the journey. It doesn't matter if this is your first time here on a Sunday. It doesn't matter if you were born and raised in church. God wants you to walk with this type of faith. He wants you to walk with the response of faith. He wants you to walk with a response that says what these three Hebrew boys said. And this is, this is what we're going to read. In, in Daniel chapter 3, the Bible says this. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, everybody say even if. Even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word, O oh God. Lord, we thank you for the example that has been set up before us, oh God. Lord, even in the New Testament, it talks about these three Hebrew boys, oh God, and that by faith, they quenched the fire, oh God. So God, we ask that you would help us to quench the fires that the enemy may throw at us, oh God. Lord, help us to hear from your word and respond in the faith that you have supplied. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen, amen. So they're going to leave that up, but... King Nebuchadnezzar, he said, if you don't bow down to my image, you will be thrown into the blazing furnace of fire. And so for you and I, a lot of times we look at our, at our lives, at our circumstances, at our city, and we say, man, it's, it's dark. It's, it's wicked. There are, there are situations that, that are surrounding us. That God, how do, how do you deliver me from this? But I'm encouraged today that there's a story about three Hebrew boys who faced a blazing, fiery furnace. And they said, even if. They said, this was their response. They said, King, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, first of all. He's able to deliver us from it. So Hebrews 11 says, Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Is there something that you're hoping for today? Are you sure of it? Is there something that you don't see yet but you're believing for? Are you, are you certain of it? Faith is being 
sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And so they said, our God, they said, our God is able. But not only is he able, he is willing, king. Not only can he do it, but he's going to do it. That, isn't that the gospel that God, that Jesus was able to come and save us? But not only did he knock, he said, you're worth dying for. I'm going to come and save you. I'm willing. And then, and then they say this. They say, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty. Notice, notice there's a little bit of, of civil disobedience here. You know, Henry David Thoreau said, I marched to the beat of a different drummer. Martin Luther King, when he wrote his, his letter in, in, in jail, he quoted, he, he cited these three Hebrew boys. And there's a little civil disobedience, but it's never dishonoring and it's never disrespectful. He said, he said King, your majesty, we just want you to know we're here because you called us here to this ceremony. We're going to honor the king, but we can't bow to you because we can't bow to an idol. And here's the thing. These Hebrew boys are taken from their upbringing. They rise in the ranks to be promoted. And then we see these, you know, when I, when I read this, I kind of, I read the Bible like this. I see characters, right? So, so when I read, you know, Pastor Dave mentioned David and Goliath. When I read David and Goliath, I think about, I see David and I, I think about people that I know. And I see Goliath and I think about, about giants in my life, right? And so when I read these three Hebrew boys, I, I see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, I, and these three Hebrew boys, they're not the same people. They're different people, right? So, so imagine that there's like these three guys in a, in a crew. They're not all going to be the same. They don't have the same personality. So I always, I see Shadrach as like, as kind of the leader. He's like that positive guy. And it's like, hey, how you doing, man? God is good. <laughs> but we're in Babylon. God is good. But we are taken from Israel. God is good, right? And you're like, wait, wait, hold on. No, it's not good. God is good. And Shadrach's like that positive guy that, that when you're not feeling positive, you're like, oh, right? Meshach, I kind of, I see him as that guy who, who he's got a little fight in him. He's still got a little bit of hood in him. You can, you can take him out of the hood, but you can't take the hood out of him. He's like, oh, I wish you would put me into the fire, right? I wish you would. Go ahead and touch me. I wish you would. And Abednego... There's always that guy who's, who's like, uh, is this a good idea? You guys sure about this? Okay, I won't bow, but maybe I could like curtsy, you know. <laughs> but these are real people. These are real people. And here's the thing. There's a specific type of faith that God wants us to have, that we don't get alone. There's a strategy to receiving this type of faith that God wants us to have. And this receiving of this faith is so vital and so important. One of the reasons why even today is because there's nothing better than, in many ways, there's nothing better than summer in Chicago. Like there's not a better place in the world than summer in Chicago, but 
Summer in Chicago can also be crazy. Summertime comes and temptations come up. Summertime comes and that fiery furnace or that idol of gold might be right around the corner. For a lot of us in our lives, there are idols right around the corner or there are furnaces right around the corner. And we may not see them. We may know that they're there. We may not. But they're going to come up. And how do we respond to that? And here's how we respond. I want to I tell you up front, what we need to receive is even if faith. Everybody say even if. Even if faith says no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to trust in the sovereignty of God. No matter what's going to happen, I'm going to trust that God has my back. No matter if I go into a furnace, no matter if I get, if I get called out, no matter if I get embarrassed, no matter what, even if, I'm going to stand my ground. But here's what it takes for even if faith. Even if faith doesn't just happen, it's a, it's a process of becoming in many ways. Even if faith, there are kind of three steps, and these are, these are what we're going to talk about, but I want to I give them to you up front. First, you got to sit. Everybody say sit. Then you got to stand. Everybody say stand. Then you got to walk. Everybody say walk. Say sit. Stand. Walk. That's even if faith. And here's what that means. Even if faith means when you sit, it's who you sit with will determine who you will become. Who you sit with will determine who you will become. Now, this is right before what the verses that we read. But I just want to, I wanted to choose a couple different verses from this story and just highlight something. Okay, look. There's some Jews who you have set up over the affairs of the province of Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Jumping down to verse 13, furious with rage. Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. In 24 verses in this chapter, these guys are mentioned 12 times and never are they mentioned alone. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Now, were they the same people? No, if they were the same people, they wouldn't have three different names. But they were always together. Who you sit with determines who you become. You know, I don't know the last time you, you walked into a high school lunchroom, but I remember walking into a high school lunchroom, especially the first day of school or, or an orientation, and I don't think I'll ever have a, a larger sense of intimidation. Because you walk into the high school lunchroom, and what is it full of? Tables. And who are at those tables? Different groups of people. And I remember thinking, where should I sit? Oh, I want to sit with the cool people, but I might get embarrassed. Oh, I want to sit with, those are the people I know, but ah, I don't know if I want to be known by them. Or known with them. Oh, those are the other people, but people think of them as this, that, or the other. See, the reason that it's such a big deal is because who you sit with matters. Who you sit with, it's not just what you're known by. Who you sit with is who you become. 
You know, John Maxwell, he said that you are really the product of the three people that you spend the most time with in your life. Who you sit with, it matters. You know, I had a friend, uh, and he's kind of a, he's actually my college roommate, and he's kind of, he's kind of like a, uh, he lifts weights a lot, but he's like a bodybuilder. And uh, he tries to, he goes to these competitions and stuff. And I had another friend, and my other friend said, man, I'm going to try and work out. I'm going to try and really get on this health business. I want to lose some weight. I'm going to call, I'm going to call so-and-so. I'm going to call him and, and work out with him. So he starts to work out with him. And I said to my one friend who was trying to get on the fitness track, I said, how's it going? And he said, well, I had to stop working out with David. And I said, why? And he said, I was taking protein shakes three times a day, and I was lifting and lifting and lifting, and we did no cardio, and I was trying to lose weight, and I gained 15 pounds. <laughs> think about it. If you've ever had a personal trainer, the first thing they say is, what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish? See, a lot of times we sit with people and we don't realize their goals are not our goals. What they're trying to accomplish is not what we're trying to accomplish. A lot of times we have friends that are leading us subversively down a different track than where God really wants to take us in our journey of becoming. Even if faith starts with who you're sitting with. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were sitting together. But not only did they sit together, they sat, this is the key, they sat with God. Because sometimes, listen, who are you sitting with is key. You know, a lot of us, we say, God, I need a word. God, I need a rhema word today. God, speak, speak in tongues to me today. Prophesy to me. But here's a prophecy. Here's a word for you. Get the right group of friends. Here's... But here's another word for you. Fellowship with God. See, their fellowship, it was together, but it wasn't just friendly fellowship. It wasn't just earthly fellowship. It wasn't just secular fellowship. Theirs was a godly fellowship. In Daniel chapter 1, they, they said that the king had them eat certain things and had them go under certain training regimens. And they said, God, they said, king, we'll do similarly to this. King, we'll do whatever you ask, except we're, we don't want to eat certain things because the law says not to of our God. And then we're going to pray to our God in the way that our God says. Other than that, we'll do everything you ask. So their fellowship with one another came first from a godly fellowship. So get the right group of friends, but are you spending time with God? That's the, and, and listen, that's what this church is about. That's what the church of the New Testament is about. Fellowship with one another, fellowship with God, go be the church. But you can't do that, what, until you sit. You can't do anything else. Until you sit. The, um, the wrong people, the wrong voices, the wrong influences, they can take us off our track. But here's what I've learned. Is that the people that God wants in your life, he's probably put them there. You just have to open your eyes. I remember coming, you know, we were talking about becoming today. I am becoming, I remember coming to the church 
uh, for the first time a little over 11 years ago. And I didn't grow up in church. I was uh, very much in the world. And I had been coming to the church for two weeks. And I had a job at a restaurant, and I kind of got a, uh, a promotion to basically be a bartender. And uh, this was, I, I was, this was a, a, a good promotion, especially for where I was at. And my first day when I was supposed to bartend, I had been coming to the church for two weeks, hadn't given my heart to the Lord yet. And on a Friday afternoon, I got a phone call from somebody that I really, I mean, I had met them a few times, but I really respected them. And when I came to the church, I felt the love of God on them. And I said, man, there's something special about this church. There's something special even about these people. And that was one of the people. And I got a call from them on a Friday afternoon. And they said, hey, I wanted to see if you wanted to come over and have dinner with my family tonight. Now, this was the night I was supposed to start this new promotion. And right on the phone, I just, I, listen, I hadn't given my heart to the Lord yet. I didn't know necessarily how to hear the voice of God. But I, I felt a strong urging. And it turned out to be the voice of God that said, hey, you're supposed to go sit with those people tonight. And I said yes. And I even think about it. I just said yes. I didn't go to that job. I quit that job without even going. And, 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 and <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure I was polite on the phone, though, your majesty. <laughs> but listen, my life was changed because I decided who I was going to sit with. On a Friday night, did I want to sit with a godly family, talking about what God had done in their lives and what God was doing in the church? Or did I want to sit at the bar? Who are you sitting with? But once you sit, once you sit, then it's time to stand. And what you stand for will always reveal what you believe. What you stand for in the small, in the small ways and in the large ways will always reveal what you believe. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from us from it, and if he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. So what does that look like? Well, one, this was not the first time they stood. This was a big stand. This was, this was eventually put on display, but they didn't ask for it to be put on display. They just did what they felt was right. It was made loud by everybody else, but it was not the first time they stood. Daniel chapter 1, like I said, they said, King, we'll do everything that you ask. King, we'll, be, we'll, do, we'll do whatever you decree, except we won't eat your foods and we won't pray to your gods. The king said, they said, we'll make a deal. We'll do that, and then you can determine what to do with us. They did that, and guess what? They were the best of the king's best. They were the ones who got elevated. They were the ones who got promoted. They were the ones who were wiser than, the, than all the magicians and all of the, the wise men. The, they, they were the ones that the king looked to. That should be the same for you and me. 
Wherever we go, you might serve in an office setting. You might, you might be in a school. You might serve in a place of business or an organization that is ungodly or that you're surrounded with by ungodliness. But guess what? Everybody should know you by the, by the way that you work and who you stand for. They were the best employees. They were kind. They were hardworking. Why? Because they served a God who gave them favor. But they stood. That wasn't the first time that they stood. You know, imagine being in this, in this large courtyard and the music goes off. And the music starts to play. And thousands upon thousands of people, they bow. And there are three people who don't bow. Imagine, you know, being in a... There's, there's a thing in, in, in sociology, it's called effervescence. And effervescence means that oftentimes, say in a, in a sports stadium or in a concert, that there's a collective energy that builds the energy of the other people around there that causes them to emotionally respond in ways that they didn't intend to emotionally respond. Have you ever been there at a, at a, you know, I've been to sports games and I, uh, you know, the Warriors and Cavs just ended their NBA Finals series. And a few years ago in the first series that they played, I went to one of the finals games in Cleveland. And I went to that game as a Warriors fan. Now I was in Cleveland. And so there were like five of us. <laughs> but... As warm-up started, I saw people entranced with their team. And I saw people, I saw all of the, the hoopla going on and how collective the energy was. And guess what? I, I, if I had a Warriors jersey, it would have been different. But I went into their Warriors fan. And by the, game by the time the game started, I was a Cavs fan for that night. I was like, this is incredible. These people are nuts. Oftentimes, if you're not convicted in the ways that you believe, you get caught up in the emotion of the crowd. Oftentimes, you know what you believe, and something becomes popular on Netflix, or something becomes, or a new album is released, or a new TV show comes on, or a movie comes out, and you start to hear the, the reviews of everybody else, and then you start to hear, oh, you got to check this out, and you start to put away everything else that you believe, and you say, oh, I'll let that in. But that stand is a big deal because big victories come from small ones. Big stands come from small stands. They stood privately before they ever stood publicly. You and I, we need to stand privately in our homes. We need to stand privately in our workplaces. We need to stand privately even in our lonesome. You know, sometimes this is, listen, it's all about who you walk with, but often, but every once in a while, God will isolate you, and it's not, you can't isolate yourself, but every once in a while, God will remove things from your life to prune them, and when he does that, that's when you have to walk alone with God and say, God, I'm going to stand for you even if I'm alone. There's a, Amen. There's a story in, uh, in World War II Germany of a guy named August Landmasser. And August was, uh, he was a German citizen. And he kind of uh, 
later on in his life, he said that he, uh, not too much later on in his life, but later on he said he didn't realize what the Nazi regime was doing and what the movement was. And so just um, in kind of a, an act of, of political nature and just trying to get ahead in life, he, uh, he took a job within the regime later realizing what it was about and he tried to get out and August then fell in love with a Jewish woman and so he was no longer working for the Nazis and August tried to uh, he tried to leave Nazi Germany they wouldn't let him so he tried to marry this Jewish woman they wouldn't let him said it was against the law he got arrested multiple times for disgracing the Aryan race in German in, in Nazi Germany. And then in 1934, when the Nazis held a rally and Adolf Hitler was present, he was there. They had everybody, every Aryan come out to a big, a big assembly, much like King Nebuchadnezzar's. And they had them come out to an assembly and they were forced to. August said, I'll, I'll go to the assembly. But when they had to Hail Hitler when they had to bow. This is what August did. August is circled right there. And thousands of people are hailing. Thousands of people are quote unquote bowing. And August stood like this. August was then treated as anybody else would be who disrespected the Aryan nation and he was taken to a concentration camp and his kids lived to tell the story. But August told his kids, or August told his family, who were the same age, he said, I know what I'm doing, but I have to stand for what's right. I have to stand for what I know. But see, that the strength to stand there came from the strength to stand in the little ways. To say, okay, you don't believe what I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere else. You're not going to let me, okay, I'm still going to, I'm still going to marry this woman. I'm still going to do what, I'm, what the convictions in my heart are. For you and me, are we going to walk, are we going to stand in the convictions that God has given us, no matter where we are? The last thing, and I want to close with this, you know, small battles, they, they lead to, to big victories and if if we don't stand we'll wind up bowing to idols we'll wind up bowing to things that we didn't realize we were going to bow to we'll wind up bowing to things that that we'll regret the devil's the devil's crafty and he's clever but he leaves us every time you sit with the devil he'll leave you alone at the table eventually third thing when we sit and we stand, and here's the real promise, is that we can walk. And what we walk through will show the world that he is with us. Here's what happens. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, so King Nebuchadnezzar puts them in the fiery furnace, and hold on, that furnace, he says, turn it up seven times higher. Now that's seven times higher, it can mean one of two things, depending on, on the historian that you listen to. One seven times hotter could have meant push it to the legal limit as, as, as hot as possible, as hot as you can, the limit. 
Seven times was a metaphor for the limit. The other way that you could read it is if it was seven times hotter, it would have been turned up to 2,400 degrees Fahrenheit. They had, they had brick kilns that they would build buildings with, and they were heated to a certain temperature, and seven times that is 2,400 degrees. And so later, so it, it talks about the, the soldiers that brought them, and the soldiers were killed. The soldiers that brought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace were killed by the fire, but not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. If you sit in godly fellowship, you stand for the convictions that God gives you in his word and by his spirit, you can walk through anything. And it'll prove, it'll show the world that he is with you. There's a, one more story. There's a story of a civil rights activist named Fred Shuttlesworth. And Fred Shuttlesworth marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, but he was a Baptist preacher. And uh, Fred Shuttlesworth was trying to lead a, a bus boycott where they would get on the buses and they would sit in the front of the bus. And in the span of about six months, he was bombed or attacks on his life were taken three to four times. One time he was uh, Christmas night, there were 17 bombs set up on the perimeter of his home and he survived. A couple months later, he was taking his kids to a school that was segregated and he was taken out of his car and beaten with brass knuckles and left unconscious. He survived. A few months later, his church was bombed. He survived. And after one of those attacks, this is, this is what he said. They said, they said, they said, uh, Dr. Shuttlesworth, don't go. Don't, like, stop the boycott. It's okay. Just, just leave things alone. He said, he said, no, I'm going. Find you any kind of crack you can to hide in if you're scared. But I'm walking downtown after this meeting and getting to the bus. I'm not going to look back to see who's following me. He said, no, no, you guys can do whatever you want. That was after the first attempt. He continued the second. He continued, he got attacked third. He continued and he attacked fourth. But then later on in the 1990s, he gave an interview. And they said, they said, how'd you look at those attacks? He said, simple. The Lord protected me, and I had a whole congregation with me. See, he, he knew that Jesus could be waiting there in the furnace for him. He knew that when persecution and when pressure comes, it's going to bring something out in you. But when pressure and persecution comes, you can either run from the fire or you can look at the fire and say, you know what, take me wherever you want to because Jesus will be there waiting for me. And here's how I want to close. There's a passage in Ephesians, and I, I read it this morning, but I, I read it from the message, which is like a paraphrase, but it encouraged me and it strengthened me, and I want to leave you with it, and I want to pray. In Ephesians, it says this. 
it says, all of this is proceeding along lines planned all along by God and then executed in Christ Jesus. When we trust in him, we're free to say whatever needs to be said, bold to go wherever we need to go. So here's what I want to pray. One is, is God, help us to see the people that you want us to sit with, right? But once we sit with who you want us to sit with, God, once you point out the tables, right? We were talking in the office earlier, and Pastor Matt was talking about his trip, and he was saying, I think President Scott Hagan said this to him, that only God could ordain the certain things that are happening within our fellowship and within our, within our community. And the same thing goes for you, that God, he knows who he wants to surround you with. He knows the fellowship. He knows who he wants you to sit with. He knows where he wants you to sit. So you say, God, help me to, help me to see with your eyes where you want me to sit. But then, God, help me to stand for what I believe in. And that will be fueled a lot by, who, by where you sit and who you sit with. But then there's this. That's not just to be for ourselves. It's not so that we can live a good life. You know, what, you know what this story teaches us? It's that when we trust God, life doesn't get easier, but it does get better. When life, when, when, when the furnace shows itself, it doesn't mean, oh, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going be, to be smooth sailing. No, it means there are going to be hard things to come by, but man, is it going to be worth it. 60,000 Hebrews were there. Three stood. Three stood. But guess what? Your workplace, your family, this community, this church, it needs you to stand. It needs you to walk. Our kids, Kids Week of Adventure, we need to raise up a generation that says, even if... That says, yeah, our God is able and yeah, our God is willing. But guess what? Even if those kids, you know, there's an epidemic in our nation that when kids leave the church and they get old enough and they go to college, they lose the faith. No, no, we got to get them young and we got to teach them. Yeah, yes, he can. Yes, he's willing. But even if, even if, even if our teachers say something else. Even if the world says this way, even if there are idols, even if there are easier ways, even if money's calling me, no, even if I'm going to serve my God. Come on, let's stand, church. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. And we're going to pray together. But here's how we're going to pray. Every person in this room, I don't, I don't know the idols that have been calling you to bow. I don't know the furnaces that are waiting for you. The person to your left or your right, they might not either. The person in the, in the welcome center, they might not. The person in the lobby, they might not. But guess what? Jesus calls us to bear each other's burdens. Jesus calls us to say their burden is your burden. They may not be able to walk with you to your workplace. They may, not, they may not be able to walk with you to your home. But guess what? This is how real fellowship is built. We pray together. 
we pray for each other. So we're gonna, we're gonna sing in just a moment, but I want us to take each other's hands. We're gonna pray for the left or the right. We're gonna say, God, whatever idols may have been rearing themselves up, if they've been walking alone, if they've been walking isolated, God, we lift them up to you. So come on, to the left or the right, pray for those, pray for those idols to be taken down. Pray for a supernatural boldness to the furnace saying, God, you're going to be waiting in that furnace, God. God, give us soup. God, provide the people that you want us to fellowship with, oh God. Help us to sit. Help us to stand. Help us to walk, oh God. except raise your hand and if you say you know what I've been walking alone or I haven't been able to stand but there's something courageous that I feel like God's calling me to do whether it's a it's a courageous conversation or it's a step of faith you say I need to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that Jesus is there waiting for me in the fire if that's you today wherever you're at I just want you to slip up your hands so that we can reach out and pray for you so that we can carry that burden with you and if there are hands all over the building if that's you just raise it up nice and high 
And if there are people around you, lay, lay, if there are people around you with their hands raised, just lay your hand upon their shoulder or reach out to them. But we're going to pray for them. God, we thank you for your servants. We thank you for your people, oh God. And Lord, we ask, oh God, Lord, that you would help them to sit with who you want them to sit with, oh God. Lord, that, we, that, they, that they would be provided with godly community, oh God. People would help teach them to pray. People, people would help them, oh God, to bear their burdens, oh God. And Lord, we help, oh God, for a supernatural boldness, oh God, a supernatural courage, oh God, to go where you want them to go, to say what you want them to say, oh God. And to know, oh God, that you're going to be with them, even in the fire, oh God. So God, strengthen them. Take them to a new faith that says even if. Take us to a new faith that says even if. That God, that God, even if you don't respond the way that we expect you to, we trust you with every circumstance in our lives. And so God, for each and every one of us, every person in this room, oh God, Lord, as we close, we ask that you would take us from glory to glory, from strength to strength, that what the Apostle Paul said would come true, that we would increase in our faith, oh God. So God, we leave here, oh God, with even if faith, oh God, knowing, Lord, that beyond circumstances, beyond events, oh God, beyond, oh God, anything that this world or the flesh or the, or the enemy may throw at us, oh God, that we can walk with even if faith, knowing, Lord, that you're gonna be there in the fire and that God, even if, Lord, we stick to you and your promise, oh God. So God, we love you, we praise you, and we go out of here, oh God, even with a shout of praise, knowing that you're good all the time. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, give a clap to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. You are dismissed. Make sure that you grab an I Am Becoming card. Use it. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you Tuesday.